There's something truly magnificent about resonator guitars. They take you away to a magical place. Of course, when you play them, but also when you listen to them. And that's exactly what we're gonna do in today's Acoustic Tuesday show. I've got 10 resonator guitars that you must hear. Actually, I don't have 10. I broke my own rules. I have 18. Go ahead and get your listening ears on because today's show is gonna be juicy. Hey, TAC family, welcome to episode 292 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show, a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more progress, fulfillment, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, as usual, I'll be keeping you in the loop with some acoustic news you can use, including a signature acoustic guitar to be on the lookout for, a tribute to Gordon Lightfoot, and much, much more. Plus, I'm gonna be answering some Ask Me Anything questions that I wasn't able to get to in the Ask Me Anything episode. But first, First, have I got a list of resonator guitar players for you. Holy smokes, your ears are gonna be tickled. I know for me, when I was first getting into playing resonator guitar, listening to resonator guitar, I wasn't quite sure where to go. Hence this episode. For you, if you're thinking, gosh, I'd love to play resonator guitar, but I don't have a lot of examples to listen to, today's show is absolutely for you. I've got 10, well I started out with 10, and then the list very quickly developed into 18 resonator guitar players. I know it's a lot, but I wanna give you the full scope here, so let's go ahead and dig right in. First player you need to know, a good friend of mine, Charlie Parr. Just a fantastic resonator guitar player. I mean, I don't know how else to describe him other than a encyclopedia of sorts when it comes to the blues, folk music, and resonator guitar. It is his main weapon, and he plays the hell out of it. Here he is playing the song, Blues for Whitefish Lake. I hear voices from above me On the steepest part of the bank Listen for the voice of my father Bar the top of the staircase, it's hidden in the leaves. Concentrate on the face of my father, concentrate on the last shirt I saw him wear. The full name of that song is actually Blues for Whitefish Lake 1975. And for those of you who dug that performance and want more of it, it's actually pulled from something he did for the Dissonance Sessions, where he talks about his songwriting, how he got into songwriting, and even some mental health stuff. And I think that's actually the main focus of those Dissonance Sessions, is to not only get a glimpse of the artist performing, but also into the artist's brain. So uh, if you wanna check that out, it's about a 27 minute interview slash performance and well worth your time. The next artist I have for you is somebody you're probably familiar with. If you've ever watched anything from Norman's Rare Guitars, you have seen her play before. She has a stellar voice and she plays the hell out of a resonator guitar, Sarah Rogo. She's done a ton of different demos for Norm's and um, she is, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say a unique light in the resonator guitar world. She just seems to get into the song, get into the playing, and she goes to another place. It's a treat to watch her play, and that's exactly what you're gonna do right now. Sit down, tell mama. 
I gotta start ripping through these artists because otherwise we're never gonna get to the end of this list. Next up, The Curse of K.K. Hammond. Beautiful, bluesy, dark music. And I gotta tell you, she, she captured my heart because she very clearly is influenced by horror movies, skulls, and just generally dark things. Let's go ahead and listen to her song, The Bone Collector. Skull and bones dig deep underground. A thousand years till they will be found. The sun don't shine, the sun don't shine, the sun don't shine, don't shine on you. The bone collector's gonna come your way. David and the Devil is next. I was first turned on to him by Mule Resonator Guitars, and he has an encyclopedic knowledge of Charlie Patton. Um, I think he knows all the songs, and his voice is... I don't understand what happens when he sings, but he conjures up some serious mojo, some serious spirits. Let's go ahead and listen to him play When Death Comes For Me. mentioned this next artist before for his teaching abilities, Tom Feldman. You want to talk about encyclopedic knowledge of the blues? He has it all. The full spectrum. All the various playing styles, all the songs, all the artists. He's just damn good and you need to hear him. Funny story about this next artist. I attended the online Zoom Kelly Joe Phelps celebration of life, for lack of a better term. It was kind of a, a memorial, an online memorial for Kelly Joe Phelps, where various artists chimed in, shared their experiences about Kelly Joe, and I found this to be wildly inspirational uh, from all the artists that participated to just the general stories about Kelly Joe Phelps. Now, the, the person behind organizing this online memorial is named Steve Dawson. Now, Steve Dawson has worked with Kelly Joe in the past and I believe played on some of his albums as well. Well, it turns out that Steve is a monster resonator guitar player. In fact, we're gonna hear his song, his original song, Lighthouse Avenue, right now. Thank you. 
next artist, this next duo, uh, was a completely random find. I typed in resonator guitarist, and then I just started scrolling and just trying to find new artists, people I've never heard of, and these folks fit the bill. And I have to say, for lack of a better term, they are eccentric. And I mean that in the most positive way. From instrument combinations to song selection, just to their overall sound, it is unique. They are Hat, Fitz, and Kara. Just wow. Just pure power, pure emotion, and just raw. Let's go ahead and listen to them right now doing a Robert Wilkins cover, That's No Way to Get Along. next artist has a full-blown love affair with National Resonator Guitars, Catfish Keith. You have to do yourself a favor and dig into his discography because you're going to hear some beautiful fingerstyle blues played on an acoustic guitar, standard steel string flat top acoustic guitar. But when he grabs a resonator guitar, a whole new animal comes out. And I got to tell you, it is a delight to listen to. Let's go ahead and listen to him play the song On a Monday. James is next on the list. He is a monster, monster, three of them, monster player. From straight ahead blues to more delicate stuff. And you're gonna hear one of those delicate pieces right now. Here he is playing the song Copeland's Fancy. the word delicate to describe that performance because it's not just your straight ahead thumpy blues. There's a little bit more nuance to it. It's a little bit more uh, melodic in a way. Anyways, I just felt the need to clear that up with you. Next up is another random find, Ben Powell. I was searching for resonator guitarists and what better place to go than national resonator guitars? Well, Ben Powell did a demo for them and I was just floored. I was full blown floored from the voice to the way he plays. Holy smokes. Here he is playing the song By and By, I'm Going to See the King. Well, bye, baby, bye, people, I'm going to see you, King. Well, bye and bye, if you're going to see you, King, baby, I'm going to see you, King. 
This next artist is maybe better known in the electric guitar world, but when he grabs a resonator guitar, look the hell out. RJ Ronquilio, one of my favorite personalities on YouTube. His YouTube channel is informative, incredible, fun. It's just, it's got all the things. But wow, I saw footage of him playing a resonator guitar and I was like, dude, please do this every day for the rest of your life. Um, here he is playing the song, Dust My Broom. <laughs> Christina Vane is next on the list, and I'm a huge fanboy. She's a great songwriter, she's a great singer, she's a great player, she plays banjo, she plays regular flat top steel string acoustic guitar, and she plays the resonator guitar so well, from slide to standard finger style. You have to hear her. If you have not heard her yet, what you're about to hear will convince you to go get all of her albums, because they're just plain good. Here she is playing the song, Statesboro Blues. Once left me a woman better than I'd ever seen. Treated me like I was a king and she was a doggone queen. Sister, tell your brother, brother, tell your auntie, auntie, tell your uncle, uncle, tell your cousin, cousin, tell my friend I'm going to the country. Mama, don't you want to go? Quite a few players in this list. I know, I know, but don't worry. Well, I've got, I've got quite a few players left, but I'm gonna lump all the remaining players into one spot. So I'm gonna condense things considerably. See, so far I've just featured guitar players that play a round neck resonator guitar, standard style. Well, this next group of artists all play square neck style resonator guitar, meaning they play it in their lap. Think, um, well, I'll go ahead and give you all the artists right now. I'm just gonna list these guys one after another, and you're gonna hear, oh, you're gonna hear just a little sample of their playing. First up, Rob Ikes, and here he is playing the song Moonshine Run with Trey Hensley. Next, Jerry Douglas, playing the song Choctaw Hayride with a very, very, very familiar face. time favorite players is next Andy Hall of the infamous String Dusters. Here he is playing the bluegrass standard leather britches. <laughs> now 
Now we're going into off the radar territory. Billy Cardine is next, and here he is playing the song Hills of Swannanoa. Following Billy with another off-the-radar square neck resonator guitar player, Ivan Rosenberg. Here he is playing with Chris Cooley, a fantastic old-time banjo player. They're playing the song Willie Duncan. Next up, Mike Witcher, who I know, I think he used to play with Missy Raines and the new hip. I'm not 100% on that, but I'm pretty sure. My gut says yes. It doesn't matter. Mike Witcher is a fantastic player, a fantastic educator. If you're looking to get into square neck style resonator guitar, Mike Witcher is a great resource, as is Rob Ikes. Rob Ikes has a wonderful program called Rob's Rezo Room, and uh, great instructional material there. And like I said, Mike does a lot of instruction as well. Here is Mike Witcher playing a Beard Model E. <laughs> your turn to add to the resonator guitar player list. In the comments below, let me know your favorite resonator guitar player. I'd love for the comments section to serve as a resource of sorts for other guitar geeks looking to get into resonator guitar, looking to get into and listen to other resonator guitar players. Now it's time for your first dose of acoustic news you can use. And how'd you like to win a guitar for 25 bucks? Well, you have a chance. I was surfing Instagram. I feel like this is how all the news stories start, but Fretboard Journal posted something about winning a guitar for 25 bucks, and I just had to check it out. Let me go ahead and read this to you because it seems like a pretty awesome opportunity and a hell of a guitar at that. The Handmade Music School at the Floyd Country Store in Southwest Virginia Luthier, Jackson Cunningham, are announcing a second chance to win one of Jackson's beautiful custom-made guitars. The 2023 Cunningham Raffle Guitar was built from a special selection of tonewoods collected over the years from local luthiers, woodcutters, and musicians around Southwest Virginia. The guitar was brought to life in Jackson Cunningham's workshop in Grayson County, Virginia in the summer of 2022. It is a faithful recreation inspired by the classic steel string models from the pre-war era. This is a versatile guitar masterfully built with responsive tone. It is very adaptable to playing many styles of music from flat picking bluegrass, sweet jazz voicings to finger picking folk and blues, and is a wonderful guitar for backing up an instrumentalist or accompanying vocals. Raffle tickets are $25 each and all proceeds will benefit programming and the Share the Music Scholarship Fund at the Handmade Music School at the Floyd Country Store. The raffle will run April 16th through June 9th. The winner will be announced 
during the Friday night jamboree on June 9th, 2023. Ticket holders must be present at the in-person or live stream event or respond within 24 hours of the announcement in order to win the instrument. You can go ahead and get those tickets at handmademusicschool.com. Go ahead and check that out. Tickets again are 25 bucks a piece and just, just wow. I mean, what a great opportunity to support a cool place and throw your name in the hat to win a stellar, stellar guitar. Next up is just a funny meme. Something that I saw from Lauren Bateman's account on Instagram, a great, great guitar teacher there on YouTube. She's got some wonderful programming as well. And it's a picture of Daffy Duck with stacks of money saying, me, if I never started playing guitar. And holy smokes, does that ring true. Wow, does that ring true. Uh, next up, speaking of um, guitars and, and money, uh, next up, not that that's the focus of this next story, uh, Emerald City Guitars in Seattle has a very, very rare instrument. Check this out. It's the first 14 fret D28 ever built. Yeah, I had to read further. Let's go ahead and do it together. The provenance of this instrument is bulletproof, but it does warrant some clarification. This is not the first D28 ever made. From 1931 to 1933, Martin did build a small number of 12 fret dreadnoughts, but these were special made to order guitars and were never carried or offered by dealers. Accordingly, a total of only 17 D28s were made in the years leading up to 1934. With the popularity of the 14 fret design picking up steam in the early 30s, Martin decided to bring the dread up to date for the 1934 model year. On February 12th, Martin shipped a 14 fret D28 prototype to Chicago Musical Instrument Company, one of their main retailers at the time. This guitar was merely a dealer's sample and was never offered for sale. CMI must have enjoyed this updated dreadnought and ordered the first ever batch of these new D28s only a week later. It was a small run of three instruments, and number 55676 was the first of these. I mean, it goes on for, for much more detail, but just a wow, what a piece of history. What, an, what a piece of amazing history. I wanted to share that with you because it's just too, too darn cool. Too darn cool, too darn cool. Can't combine words. I try, I try all the time, but you just, you can't combine them. I mean, sometimes it works, but a lot of times it doesn't. Okay, our final little news piece for this segment is a new signature guitar coming out from the folks at FERC in conjunction with one of my favorite people in the acoustic guitar world, Adrian Ballou. He says, after years of hard work, I am proud that next month marks the official launch of the FERC Guitars 7-string. After playing my first FERC in 2013, I acquired a baritone and the rest was history. My sound demanded more low end, more range, but I stuck with FERC. In 2019, I was honored to visit the FERC factory in Czech Republic to pick up the prototype 7-string. Now, after years of work and dedication from an incredible team, it's finally here. I will return to the Czech Republic to promote the new 7-string with two clinics in both uh, Brno and Prague. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Hopefully I am. Uh, followed by FERC Backstage, a wonderful industry event for buyers, distributors, and artists. It's been a dream working toward this vision and bringing the best acoustic seven-string that's been done to production market. I gotta tell you, if you have not seen Adrian play, you absolutely must, because just when you think a seven-string is maybe a party trick or just kind of one of those niche things you use once in a while, no, 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 no. You gotta see Adrian play, and if you haven't yet, now's your opportunity, here he is.
it's time to see what the TAC family is working on today. And no, you don't need a seven string guitar for it, but if you have one, please feel free to use it. Uh, the TAC family, now on a normal week, the TAC family rotates through the five essential skills that help you learn songs fast. What we do is we take a model song and we pull the skills out of it so that you can see it's cool to learn a song, but it's also cool to accumulate these skills because it helps you learn other songs fast. On Monday, the TAC family does a technique challenge, Tuesday, a guitar lick challenge, Wednesday is an improvisation challenge, Thursday's a rhythm guitar challenge, and Friday's a chord transition challenge. But for this week, with Antonio's acoustic challenge, we're throwing that out the window and we're focusing on the little focused on, the little taught, the rarely taught technique of vibrato. Three different ways to do it and how to incorporate it into your playing. And just as a sample, here is kind of a, a, a summary of the week. Here you go. Your Tuesday Tack Guitar Lick Challenge is gonna be a little bit different today because the Tack family is currently going through a five-day vibrato challenge. Yes, each day this week, they're looking at a different aspect of vibrato, essentially shaking the note giving the note a subtle waver so it has a little bit more interest, so it holds a little bit more emotion, so, a hold, so it holds a little bit more space. Just so we're on the same page, vibrato is simply shaking the note. As I mentioned, it sounds like this. You give it this subtle waver that gives it this, this, uh, this mojo, this spice, right? So each day this week, the TAC fam is looking at a different aspect of vibrato. So TAC family, please log in. Every challenge this week, when you click start, you'll go to the teaching video. You'll learn a new perspective on vibrato. You'll have that same old playing video. You can adjust the speed so it's comfortable for you. And then of course, that accompanying tab is accessible by clicking that tab icon in the lower right-hand corner. So what I wanna do today is give you I guess a little bit of a crash course when it comes to vibrato. There's three different types that I wanna cite right now, and I'm gonna go through them rather quickly. The first one is a, what I like to call a confined vibrato. You're not bending the string, you're quite simply shaking your string or shaking your fretting finger as it's fretting the note. In between the frets, you're quite simply shaking that note, right? You're not really moving the string, you're just kind of wiggling your finger and it's gonna give you a subtle waver. Why would you use that? Well, on the high strings, if you try and bend the string, it's gonna come off the edge of the fretboard. So because of the confined space, we'll use confined vibrato. On the middle of the strings, I like to use what I call a leveraged vibrato, where I take that bottom knuckle of my index finger or whatever finger's fretting the note, and I use that as kind of a pivot point. It's almost like turning a doorknob, right? I'm gonna do this exaggerated so you can kind of see what I mean. It's almost like turning a doorknob. I'm using that knuckle as a, a, a fulcrum, if you will, and bending the string down. And I can do it fast or slow, right? Depending on what you're comfortable with or what the song calls for. So we have confined vibrato. That I like to call leveraged vibrato, this one that I just showed you. And then I have a bending vibrato or edgy vibrato. These aren't you know, universal names. These are just names that I'm using to communicate the idea and the technique to you. Uh, this, this edgy or bending vibrato is most at home on the lower strings, right? Because again, we can't really get a lot of leverage when we're reaching up high. We can shake the note. That'll work, but it doesn't have the impact that it does on the higher strings. So on the lower strings, I, I like to use this bending vibrato where I'm just bending the string pretty rapidly to achieve that waver. 
So we have that, that's the bending or edgy vibrato. We have confined, we have leveraged, and we have edgy vibrato. Those are the three. Uh, like I said, the Tack family is working on these all week. And it brings an important point up in that when you're trying a new technique, it probably won't fall under your fingers right away. And that's okay, it's new. I think it's important to be reminded of the fact that when we try something new, it doesn't go smoothly right out of the gate. And that's fine. In fact, that's a good thing. If you're struggling with something, if you're trying something new and you're struggling, that means a breakthrough. It means that you're right on the cusp of a breakthrough, right? So if you're trying something new and you're struggling, it's easy to become frustrated. I get it. None of us are exempt from frustration. But instead of looking at that frustration as a negative thing and letting it build, almost think of it as a, a, celebrate, a celebratory moment, right? Where you can say, I'm trying something new. I'm sitting in this uncomfortable area of, gosh, I don't know how to do this. I'm kind of sounding crummy. That's a good thing, right? Because again, that breakthrough is right around the corner. So if you're feeling frustrated, instead of feeling negative, try and uh, begin to celebrate it and embrace the fact that you're pushing your boundaries and in essence, becoming a better player. I wanna take a second and thank you for submitting your questions for the Ask Me Anything episode. It was an awesome episode, super fun to answer your questions, but there were so many submitted, I didn't have a chance to get to them all during that episode. So I pulled a few and I wanted to answer them right now. First question comes from Lafayette LaSaint. Do you own any 12-string guitars? Do you like 12-string guitars? I'm asking because you seldom feature them. Why is this? I love your show and watch it every Tuesday, but I am saddened that you seem to be ignoring them. I don't currently own any 12-string guitars. I had a, a great, very uh, um, kind of lower-priced Yamaha in the past, very inexpensive instrument that sounded awesome, had a solid top. I forget the model name. I'd have to do a little digging. Um, and I've also played, there's a short scale 12 string from Taylor that just, just blew my doors off. Just a great instrument, but I don't, I don't have a 12 string right now. It's not that I don't like them. It's just that I, I don't know. I haven't really, that's a good, you know, we bring up a good question here. I might have to start pursuing a 12 string. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was a little mental tangent for me, but uh, it's not that I don't like them. It's not that I don't want to feature them. It's that it just hasn't come across my, my brain, but now it has, and I'm thinking, hell, maybe we'll see a 12-string episode in the future. I know I did one a while ago on inexpensive 12-strings, but I think it'd be fun to revisit that topic and maybe delve a little bit deeper. So thank you for that question. Uh, next question comes from Tab75Draws. Great show. I believe Mule is running a scavenger hunt contest. Check out their YouTube channel. Indeed, they are, and you should check that out. You have a chance to win, not one, not two, but three. Mule Resonator Guitars, a Mule Caster, a Tricone, and a Mavis. But there is a scavenger hunt, a legit scavenger hunt. You got to check it out on Mule's website. Uh, the question is, what will be a good guitar for American primitive playing? Fantastic question here. Um, it, for those of you who don't know, American primitive playing is like the uh, the likes of of John Fahey, Robbie Basho, um, let's see, uh, Jack Rose, um, Gwenifer Raymond is another, this is a good kind of a, a starter pack of American primitive guitarists there. But for me, what I look for in a guitar that, that uh, I'm gonna use to play American primitive guitar is something that's very strong fundamentally. I'm not really interested in overtones. I'm interested in a guitar that projects strongly, that has decent volume, that has decent responsiveness, but overall is very fundamentally focused. Meaning the note is the note and you're not getting a lot of extra ringing, ringing and you're not getting even a lot of sustain. Because 
I think American primitive guitar playing is is sometimes driving and and utilizes a lot of dissonance. I want that dissonance to be right up front. I don't want it to be buried in a bunch of overtones. So that's just me. Uh, for me, I would say my go-to guitar for American primitive playing would be my Beard Decaphonic Sidecar, one of the best instruments I have seen and experienced within that realm of American primitive. Um, trying to think of another one I have. That one really is the go-to. I will also say my Bourgeois uh, Custom OMC large sound hole is another great one because it's very, very fundamentally focused. Uh, the next question comes from Matthew Lee. Side note, Matthew, thank you for your package. I've got it back by my desk over there and uh, really enjoyed the DVDs, really enjoy the books. Um, just really kind for you to take out a second and send me those. Thank you so much for that. Um, his question, Tony, I've watched every episode of Acoustic Tuesday you've done in order to find a question you've not answered in one way or another. I've thought of two you've not addressed. Or if you have, they're so obscure I overlooked them. One, what would you would you ever do an episode for electric guitar players switching to acoustic guitar and what to expect? I would have loved this information when I got my first acoustic. Matt, this is, uh, yes, is the answer, the short answer. Uh, but as soon as I saw this, I was like, that's a great episode. Kind of that crossover from acoustic to electric or electric to acoustic. What is the real difference other than the obvious things? Great topic, and uh, I think we'll see that down the road. Second question. The majority of my acoustic guitars are from Amazon, usually coming in well under the $200 mark. Would you consider reviewing lower-end brands such as Cadence, Rogue, Winds, and the like? Thank you for your time and consideration. With love, loyalty, honor, and respect, Matthew Lee. Um, yes, you know, it's been on my list to feature kind of those, uh, dare I say, budget guitars, you know, less than $200. What are the gems in that category? So, uh, great topics from you, Matthew, and um, thank you. You're making my job easy. You're making my job easy here. I've got a lot of topics for shows. I got 12 string. I've got, uh, what was the other one? Geez, I forgot already. Electric versus acoustic and uh, the, the kind of budget guitar category. Good stuff, good stuff. You'll see those coming up. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Raymond Stebbins asks this. Your house is on fire. You can only save one guitar and that will be your last and the only guitar. What is it? Luckily, after you took that guitar and got your family safely out and the fire department saved everything. Uh, should have put saving family before the guitar, sorry. Uh, I said a very Canadian sorry there. Um, so what would, the, what would the guitar that I would save? Holy smokes. That's a put me on the spot question. I didn't read through these before I added them to my outline. Holy buckets. I'd have to say my dad's uh, D41 special just because the emotional attachment. I think that would be the one. That would be the one. It's a hell of a guitar. And um, it just it just holds a lot for me. Holds a lot musically and it holds a lot emotionally and just life-wise. So that would be the one. Uh, next question, P3696 asks, how do you get into hockey watching? I was in Toronto years ago for a few months and loved the idea, but it's not big here in the UK. So I don't know what to do or how I would get into it. Well, now is your time. The playoffs are on and this is the best time to watch hockey. Plain and simple. You get two teams, they play for seven games, and they hate each other. You get all the best of hockey. You get the big hits, you get the big goals, you get the big saves, you get the crowd, you get the everything. But check this out. There's another level to this because during this year's playoffs, I'm filming this before the second round is officially over, but you're seeing a lot of teams that aren't in the playoffs all that much. It's a big shakeup this year. You've got two relatively new teams, Vegas and Seattle. Um, you've got, um, oh my gosh, Tone, get with the program. You've got Carolina. Um, you've got, uh, holy smokes, 
I can't remember the other ones. This is this is terrible. But what the point I'm trying to make is since there are newer teams in the mix, you have a lot of newer markets watching hockey. And since that's the case, they do a great job of explaining the rules during the broadcast. So it's kind of a two-for-one special. You get some great hockey, but you also, because of these new markets, they're trying to, you know, educate non-hockey fans as much as they can. So even during the regular season, if you check out uh, Vegas games, Seattle Kraken games, uh, any of the newer teams, you're bound to get some great information. Uh, Florida Panthers. Jeez Louise, that's who I was thinking of. Anyways, great question, and thank you for uh, tying in some hockey there. I love talking hockey. Uh, Doug Bradeen asks the, the final question here. Are you planning on hosting Acoustic Life Festival again? I have my Acoustic Life Festival shirt on as I type this. I was all signed up to attend the COVID-canceled Acoustic Life Festival, a major win for me at the time. Looking forward to gathering with TAC fans. Thanks, Doug. Uh, Doug, <clears throat> man. I love to do the Acoustic Life Festival again. Um, it just hasn't been in the cards because the venue we've had it at in the past has kind of had a weird trying to get back in the mix after COVID thing. And uh, to be quite honest, it's just about a it's about a six month to nine month set of planning. And given my current family state, i.e. I have a 16-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and a newborn, or a newborn coming in July, I don't see it happening for a while. I really don't see it happening for a while. But the good news is this. Um, I've actually seen and met a lot of TAC family members at the Fretboard uh, Summit in Chicago. And since I'm doing some workshops there, uh, some speaking, it's kind of a... Um, in a way, de facto Acoustic Life Festival. Uh, it's still a great way for TAC family to get together. It's not necessarily the Acoustic Life Festival, but it's, it is the next best thing. I will say that. Uh, they do a darn good job. The Fretboard Summit is amazing. I know I've said that a million times, but for now, that's going to be kind of the um, my main focus um, until things in the family life calm down and, I, and the dust settles a little bit. But thank you for the question, and I'm glad you enjoyed that festival. Certainly a, a very, very fun one. Uh, to put on and be a part of, even as an organizer. All right, on to the second dose of acoustic news you can use, and we're going to celebrate Gordon Lightfoot a little bit. Um, Gordon Lightfoot passed uh, a couple weeks ago, as you know. In fact, uh, the episode I filmed uh, right around his passing was filmed prior to, so I, I wasn't able to acknowledge it, but a phenomenal songwriter and just a huge, huge player in dare I say folk music, but I would say just that, that singer-songwriter vibe. Um, great, great um, kind of honorary cartoon that ties in a lot of things that I like. Gordon Lightfoot, hockey, and uh, playing music. And here's the, here's the cartoon done by Larry Rootliff. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, not to worry, Mr. Lightfoot. Yes, you can watch the Leafs game here, perhaps with Foster Hewitt. And then there are some men from a ship who are quite eager to meet you. And of course, it's Gordon Lightfoot at the Pearly Gates. I thought that was a, a fitting uh, description of what may happen if he does indeed arrive there. Uh, and then uh, lastly, I want to mention uh, Daryl Scott. If you're unfamiliar with Daryl Scott, do yourself a favor and check out his music. You want to talk amazing singer-songwriter, great guitar player. His stuff with Tim O'Brien is top-notch. His best Ben Bullington tribute. I believe the name of the album is 10. Uh, ben Bullington was a, a friend of mine when he was uh, alive here. Uh, great Livingston-based, uh, Livingston, Montana-based singer-songwriter. Was friends with Daryl. Daryl did a full album of his cover songs. Anyways, long story. Um, Daryl did a really cool week of appreciation of, of um, uh, Gordon Lightfoot on his Instagram account. And he used... Um, he used this platform to actually teach some Gordon Lightfoot-isms. And here he is teaching the, um, uh, the E-modal chord. 
Uh, I'm not sure if that's the exact technical music theory name of it, but he does a great job of breaking it down and showing its use. So without further ado, here's Daryl giving a little bit of a, a playing tribute to Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, I'm going to give you a guitar lesson on something I learned from uh, Gordon Lightfoot Records, but more specifically, uh, the Gordon Lightfoot songbooks had this chord in it. And, he, it's, uh, and I talked to Lightfoot once about it because I met him twice, and he called it E-modal. Uh, and basically what it is, and uh, I'll try to get some notation in here too, is it's an E chord that doesn't have a third. It's all ones and fives. And then how you do it is uh, on the A string and the D string, you fret it right there. And then on the G string, you get the B in there. And then you make your finger go up so that the B, the ringing B, rings instead of this. So see how I'm, how weird my finger is there? That's what you're going to need. Okay. You won't be able to do it at first. The, the finger just, it's, I'm just telling you, because uh, it's the same with me. It took me a long time, but I stayed with it. And here's, uh, here's a full one, four, five of, uh, of this. on that fret. I'll do that again. A string on the fourth fret. D string on the fourth fret. Back to home. He was standing by the highway with a sign that just said mother when he heard a driver coming about a half a mile away. And he held his side up higher. So, right? We've heard that through all, all Lightfoot stuff. Now here's the deal. It doesn't just happen during Lightfoot songs. Basically, I throw it in everywhere that I hardly ever play an E like that the regular way. I play the Lightfoot E. So there's the one, four, five, four, and hammer on. And then for some of the Lightfoot stuff, uh, he threw in a flat seven. I can see her lying back in her satin dress in a room where you do what you don't confess. Sometimes you better take care if I find So did you notice there, you guitar players, that I went to that? That was my D. That was my flat seven. Come down, you better take care of my You've been creeping around my back So that hand turns into a claw. So it's very hard to do at first, but if you want to stay with it, I'm telling you that E modal of Gordon Lightfoot's will show up in folk music, country music, rock, blues, anywhere you take away the third and you've got this amazing Gordon Lightfoot thing. So he didn't just write great songs, he was kind of a really badass uh, acoustic guitar player. There you go.
on a 12 string at that to really capture the Gordon Lightfoot vibe. Uh, and then our final story is really not, not a story, but something I want to bring your attention to. You know, I've mentioned Mississippi Hill Country Blues quite a few times on the show. In fact, last week's lick was a Mississippi Hill Country Blues lick. And for those of you wanting to delve a little bit more into the style, into the lifestyle, into the artists that create that uh, Mississippi Hill Country Blues movement or genre, uh, I found a documentary on YouTube. It's totally free. It's about an hour and 20 minutes long. Uh, you See Me Laughing, The Last of the Hill Country Bluesmen. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. Find a rainy day, clear out an hour and a half of your day, and just sit down and enjoy this. It, it gives a candid glimpse into these uh, musicians' lives, and it's just a, it's like stepping into another world. Again, the name of the documentary, You See Me Laughing, The Last of the Hill Country Bluesmen. Here's a quick little snippet of it. The records they're putting out really are about the most interesting records that anybody's putting out, you know. I have trouble with, like, you know, when Sidell Davis gets way out of tune, I have a little trouble with that. Yeah, I love you, baby. I tell the what I do. It, it's just his style, you know. I mean, it's it's sounds out of tune when you hear it to begin with because you're not used to hearing that tuning. But when you listen to it for five or 10 minutes, all of a sudden, it sounds like it's in tune. You know, you just fall into his tuning. And on those Mississippi Hill Country Blues notes, I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today. But first, yeah, you guessed it. We're going to take a sneak peek into next week. And next week, we're digging into yet another layer of my guitar snow. We're gonna talk Mahogany Martins. And no, they're not new guitars. These are all vintage Mahogany Martins. I've got one from 1926. I've got one from 1935. I've got one from 1956. And you're gonna see them all next week on the show. I can't wait to share those with you. They are so different. I've got a really small one, a kind of small one and a little bit bigger, smaller one. Uh, so I think you'll enjoy next week's episode. Uh, a lot of good guitar will be heard. I'm saying the guitars sound good, not necessarily my playing. I mean, who knows? Who knows what kind of day it'll be? Anyways, that's happening next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And before I let you go, please do remember this. Your guitar success, however you define it for yourself, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. Fun should be your top priority. And with that, I wanna thank you for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your valuable time with me. I appreciate the heck out of you. And until next Tuesday, well, have a great week. Cheers to you, Guitar Geeks Unite.